you go, boys. Some lovely salad to go with your sausages. Thanks, Mrs Cartwright. It's my pleasure. This is really delicious, Mrs Cartwright. Crisps. Have you got any ketchup? Jesus Christ. My eyes are burning. Two, one. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the British Television Invasion, Episode 4, Caravan Club. Wait, I'm not sure why I said that like a question. <laughs> it is Caravan Club. <laughs> You say that with confidence. Caravan Club. My name's Sean, and I've also gone from guaranteed sex to being bullied by an eight-year-old. And my name's Laura, and I love skidding along to the music of Take That and George Michael. Oh, the music in this episode was fucking incredible. I was actually, I've written in my notes every time there was a song like, oh my god, this is such a tune, and that happens every time there is a song. Really impressed with the musical variety we got. We got uh, Justin Timberlake, Take That, George Michaels, like bunch of them yeah it was really good all good songs i forgot yeah. how much i loved sexy back it's it's a proper tune so how has everything been going for you this week not too bad it is if you hear any massive bangs during the recording of this that is because it is almost bonfire night and the, the fireworks have been crazy out there so i apologize in advance oh uh, well it can't be any worse than that fucking fireworks display you had the other day <laughs> <laughs> yeah they've been going on for a while because it was Diwali but now it's just like and we live on top of a hill and we can see right across London and it's amazing like you can see some beautiful fireworks from here but the noise is a bit much <laughs> well that's okay if we hear fireworks we'll just we'll, unless I hear screaming along with the fireworks <laughs> I'll just ignore it <laughs> so I've got my hands on uh, a script book and two script books because we gave one away um, I've kept one for myself, and I found that each episode has got a little introduction from Ian Morris and Damon Beasley in. So I wonder if you would be interested in what they have to say about this episode. Yeah, I would love to hear what they said about this episode. Are these intros, like, short? Could we go over maybe the four episodes we've already done? Yeah, they're not very long. I can start... Do you want me to do this one first, or do you want me to start from the beginning? Oh, uh, let's hear... Yeah, let's just start from the beginning. Okay, so for episode one, the first day. So they say about this one that uh, this was not the first one they wrote. Um, it was actually the third one they wrote, and Bunk Off was the first one they wrote. And this episode came about when they knew they had a series, so they knew that it had been commissioned. And uh, after much discussion, they decided that this episode was where they'd have to explain why Will McKenzie was in this situation, why he'd ended up at the the uh, state school. And they had to come up with a, a, you know, like a narrative for him. Um, and they said this came at the expense of jokes. And when they brought it to the commissioner of Channel 4, he said it was like an unfunny grain chill, which... Uh, <laughs> It's not very nice. Grain Chill with long running uh, TV series about school that was not very funny here. Um, so they realised there was too much introduction, so they started to sort of cut bits of the introduction out. And when they were writing, they decided they had to introduce Will quickly and get some jokes in. 
to show it was school-based and try and hit some universal themes. The main theme for episode one, which they think went relatively well, was the idea of getting served underage. We've all done it or tried to do it. Uh, the first half was trickier and we spent an incredible amount of time in the cutting room um, trying to edit down all the stuff about Will and where he'd come from and who he was. So apparently a lot of that was lost. Oh, that's interesting. So episode two, Bunk Off, this was the first one they wrote. This is the first piece of narrative comedy that either Damon or Ian ever wrote. Wow. Um, and they say it's still a lot of people's favourite episode, and it's your favourite episode at the moment, isn't it? Oh, uh, no, Thorpe Park has been my favourite. Ah, uh, well, apparently this is a lot of people's favourite one. It says the episode contains a lot of things that really happen to them, but also, unusually for the series, loses Jay and Neil for the majority of the second half. Um, I think that we thought of them more as a gang and wanted them to each have some sort of storyline, so you can see a sort of evolution from this episode if you look hard enough. Uh, I remember the exact moment we decided that Simon should puke on Carly's brother. We just finished writing the episode and had each printed off the, the it to read back to each other. And we came back into the kitchen and we discussed what we thought, which was broadly that we liked it. But the Simon Carly stuff felt a bit underpowered for an ending with Carly's brother just crying. Then suddenly Damon said, hey, why can't we have him puke on the kid? Then we, <laughs> then we went down to the pub for lunch, proud that we'd scratched an itch and written a script, but not very confident that it would get made. There you go. Uh, and then episode three, which was Thought Park. Uh, initially, due to time constraints, E4 only commissioned five episodes. Um, after we'd started writing and it was going okay, Caroline, Leddy and Angela Jane, who were the heads of E4, came back and said that they thought that we could knock off another one to make the usual six. The answer was yes, because when you've worked in TV for a while, you understand that the best way to deal with channels is to say yes to whatever they say. It turned yes. out not to be as hard as we thought because Caravan Club was far too long. So we were going to cut some of the stuff that we liked from that, such as Simon getting his crappy car which seemed like a universal thing for suburban teenagers. And it would be a shame to waste that. So that turned up here instead in Thorpe Park. Interesting. For the record, yeah, for the record, it was Damon's. Damon's was a Metro and his was a Polo. And Simon Cooper's was a Fiat Cinquecento Hawaii, which of course doesn't really exist. We thought that Hawaii was the kind of sticker that car dealers put on crap cars to make you feel like it's a sports car, but for no one, least of all the owner. We wanted the car to be the same colour as Damon's Mini Metro, but the Cinquecento didn't come in that colour, which was lime green. So showing commitment, we found this sort of piss yellow car. <laughs> uh, we had the first half, but what to stick on it? That came relatively easily for two reasons. I grew up very near to Thorpe Park, and both Damon and I love roller coasters. We had the thought, and by the way, this isn't the most artistic way to write sitcoms, that if we wrote something set at Thorpe Park, they might let us go on the roller coasters. <laughs> and they did! <laughs> I'm not proud of this, but I once had a very similar, but honestly worse tantrum to Phil's, in front um, to Phil's, to Will's, in front of some Down Syndrome people at the front of the Superman ride at Six Flags in California. Obviously, I didn't know who I was shouting at, I'm not that bad, but it was and remains the worst moment of my life. And for the two friends that I was on holiday with, one of their fondest memories, but I was catapulted at 90 miles an hour along that track milliseconds after realising what I had done. I did just manage to say I'm the worst human being in the world before we set off, though. <laughs> <laughs> and then episode four, which we did last week. Let's find the intro for that. Uh, so this episode is one of Ian Morris's favourites and was inspired by a mishmash of my own early romantic life, which was definitely giving me getting dumped by a couple of girls too grand to name, and Damon's friend's story, which actually happened to Damon. Damon and his teenage mates wound up at a member of their group's house party, and they just... 
<laughs> and he just jumped up and down on the estate car of his friend after going a bit mental when he'd been drinking. We didn't know it would 100% work in a sitcom, but what did we know? We know that teenage mates take the piss out of each other, so we thought it could work. And it definitely did. There you go. Um. It's probably the most famous... I, I mean, it's probably, like, the most... Like, when I've heard of this show, this is probably, like, the one scene that I've seen more than any. Yeah. Um, they are then talking about Charlotte. Um, they're talking about how they name people in it. And they, there was a girl that was like Charlotte. They didn't want to libel anyone, though, or name anyone in such a way. So they did a mishmash of two girlfriends that two of them had had that were actually nice girls. There you go. And then this episode that we are looking at today. So uh, after writing the pilot, this one was commissioned by Channel 4 um, secondly. So this was the second one that they wrote. They were a long way from having their series commissioned, but sometimes channel do th channels do things to speed the process up if they decide they want a series. We flirted with the idea of table writing and getting a team together to do this because we were sort of unsure and new, um, but ended up just then writing it. Why Caravan Club? Well, it seemed both a very suburban and very lower middle class thing to do, and also a nice opportunity to take them out of their school and out of their home life and to be a place that Jay could say that his fictionalised sexual adventures take place because it sounded both very low rent and like somewhere the others would never turn up to check these statements. Kids can be really cruel and when everyone else is going to the Mediterranean on holiday, going to a caravan park in England would, we thought, mark you out for a bit of bullying. But JB and Jay, he decided to turn the whole thing round as something that could be perceived as a weakness into a strength by adding, for example, two sisters who strung themselves off something that the others were unlikely to get in Cyprus. We started to play with that idea in Bunk Off, but we thought it would be interesting to see what happened when Jay was confronted with his bullshit. Although actually, Caravan Club does turn out okay for Neil. In terms of truth, the episode is chock full of things that really happened to the two of us. I'm not sure I can disclose exactly what happened to who, but I will say that I did once skid up and down on a parquet floor at a party when I'd just been offered sex by a girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, oh, that's, quite Those are all aren't really they? insightful. Yeah, 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 that's good. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, well, that's, that's they've got one for every episode, so there you go. That's something we can incorporate now. I would have never have considered that any of these were actual, like, real incidents that happened to a living, breathing human. No, me neither. It's I, I feel a little bit bad for the writers that their teenage kids were even worse than mine. I mean, their lives were literally a sitcom. That's <laughs> insane. Yeah. So, you know, like, you know, like, all those times were like, well, that's not realistic. That's not realistic. We're going to have to stop saying that because apparently yeah, this re apparently shit really happened. does happen to people. Hmm. Do you think it must be weird as well? Like if you went to school with them and you're watching the in-betweeners and like if you were the person that was involved in that, and you'd be like, <laughs> would you would you say it? Would you say it to the your other half sat on the sofa? I'm like, oh, I think I think I think I was there then. Oh, my God. That's so funny. That'd be mm. crazy, though. Like you're you're yeah. watching that and you're like, you're like, hey, wait a minute. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy. Onwards. Onwards and upwards. So, we get our typical opening montage. You know, we Will is talking about, um, you know, as a special treat, he now gets to finish his A-levels at State Comprehensive. And we see kind of, you know, some of the clips from earlier episodes. And then he says, I have made some friends. Unfortunately, they are bigger losers than I am. And yeah. we see the friends fucking friends scene again um, and we then go into scene one which is in the common room and will 
still in his voiceover, says, which means whilst other people get to play pool and hang out, I get to spend my free period tied to a chair with a rubbish bin on my head. And we see the usual common room, everything going on around Will, uh, and he is tied to a chair with a waste paper basket on his head, and everyone's just ignoring him. I felt so bad for Will here. I was like, how the hell does this happen to somebody? It'd be so scary as well. I hate the idea of having something on my head like that. Yeah, no kidding. Like, man, what a... What a poor situation for Will. <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, and Simon walks in and he asks, what happened to you? And Will says, I tripped. To which Neil says, really? And Will says, no, not really, Neil. Donovan tied me to a chair. And he said, no one is allowed to touch me. The prick. <laughs> and unfortunately, we see that Donovan is still standing in the background. And uh, Simon tells him, uh, yeah, you probably shouldn't say that because he's standing like 10 feet away from us. <laughs> Yeah, Will says, shit, he didn't hear that, did he? And Simon says, yeah, he heard that. But Neil, being the good-natured guy that he is, just says, oh, we'll get you out. And as Neil goes to, like, kind of let Will free, we see Mark Donovan just shaking his head, like, back and forth, like, no, yeah, not at all. Um, not going to happen. Yeah, and Simon says, better not, Neil. Sorry, we're not allowed to untie you. Um, <laughs> the three boys who aren't tied to the chair sit down. And Will says, fair enough. Uh, and then asks what they're going to be up to this weekend. And Simon says, we could go to Blue Water. And Will says, a shopping centre. Great, you know how much I love chaps. And I'm going to take issue with this. So I live about five miles from Blue Water, probably. Maybe a little bit further. Um, I'm very close to Blue Water. And Blue Water is the classy, classier one of the shopping centres over here. Blue Water is fancy. Yeah, no, it's not chavy at all. It's not not chavy at all. I don't know. Will is a snob. Yeah, it sounds like it. I just assumed that this was like chav heaven if Jay liked it. No, it's nice. Jay's right. It's quality. He goes there all the time. Um, <laughs> and Simon says, to be fair, they have got a Nando's. Have you got? You don't have Nando's over there, do you? No. Only thing I know about Na Nando's is there's a wrestler who has a move called cheeky Nando's. Yeah, Nando's is a very popular chicken based. Portuguese style, I think it's Portugal restaurant over here that's like really taken off. People just fucking love that chicken. <laughs> Jay says, Well, whatever you like, get up to this weekend. I won't be there. And Will says, Oh no, who will supply the witticisms? And Jay says, I'll be up to my nuts and some guts shagging those two sisters from the caravan club. It's the Camber Sands meeting, which is always a massive orgy. Yeah. And Will is just incredulous. And he says, Except it's not, though. It's a holiday for old people. Yeah, uh, and Jay says, oh, I'm sorry, did someone say something? Is Bimboy giving it the big un? And, uh, and Will, just, Will just completely ignores this and says, uh, it's just funny how you never get any girls around here. And yet away at Caravan Club, you're like some sort of Gypsy Russell brand, which is a fabulous line. I love the idea of Gypsy Russell brand. I love in this scene how they are just totally treating Will like he's completely normal. You know, nothing's wrong. Everything is fine. The scene is totally normal, etc., yeah. etc. Yeah, they're just ignoring the fact that he's tied to the chair. Yeah, I mean, he might as well just be one of the guys hanging out. Yeah. Um, Jay then says he wouldn't shag any of the skanky girls around here except for your mum, obviously. Neil says, get in the queue. Um, and Jay says, if you don't believe me, you lot should come down to Camper Sands. Even Bim Boy might get some sex. And Simon, I'm unexpectedly says you know what i would be up for that oh and i'd love this part here where jay you can just see kind of the growing um sense of dread on jay's face and will just says you know no if i have to sleep in a caravan to prove you're lying then i'm willing to make that sacrifice and everyone's just like fine 
good. Come down then. And then yeah. Jay just, he looks incredulous and he's like, well, then we'll see who's lying. And Will says, yes, you, you're lying. <laughs> and then the bell rings and Simon says, Mark, can we untie him? And Mark just calls back, no, one word. <laughs> um, Simon says, sorry, we'll see you at lunchtime. Uh, Will says, see you then. And then we see that it is Mr. Gilbert in the doorway. And Simon says, shit, it's Gilbert. And Will says, good, now Donovan's in trouble. Um I just want to make the point here that so I've got a massive thing for for Mr. Gilbert anyway and I've got a massive thing for men in jumpers over shirts. I love that for some reason. Like I don't know I don't know what happened to me in my in my youth that this is my like fetish, but I love like men with jumpers over shirts and ties and Mr. Gilbert has got one and he is looking pretty fine to me right now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I like how Simon is, you know, telling Will not to snitch, and um, uh, then Mr. Gilbert looks at him and he says, you know, oh, who do we have under here? And the boys answer back, they're like, Mackenzie, sir. And uh, Mr. Gilbert says, yeah, let me guess, no one saw how this happened. I suppose you tripped. And Will just starts to tell him what actually happened, and uh, Mr. Gilbert's like, no. If there's no, if there's one thing no one likes, it's a grass. Like I'm gonna ask you again how this happened, and you're just gonna reply, "I tripped," and Will just is getting really upset because he's like, "Well, if if nobody reports crimes, like the world will just collapse." <laughs> yeah, the justice system will collapse. And Mr. Gilbert lifts the bin off, and he says, "I'll ask you again, how did this happen?" And Will says, "I tripped, I tripped," and Mr. Gilbert says, "Tut tut, clumsy." And uh, and Will then says in his voiceover that thanks to Gilbert's disdain for informers, I was left tied to the chair for the rest of the day. I think Mr. Gilbert is a little bit of a dick here. Mr. Gilbert is he's definitely dodgy. Like it, this comes up later in something. Well, I can't even remember when it is. It might even be as far as far in the future of series three. But like Mr. Gilbert is definitely like borderline illegal in his activities <laughs> in that school. <laughs> I mean, I, it's funny. It cracks me up. Like, I would, I'd be disappointed if he wasn't like a total. You know, the boys have to have a foil. Yeah. You know, they they have to have a fo- a foil, and Mr. Gilbert is a great foil. It just is like, wow, the, you're really just going to leave this poor kid tied up with a fucking uh, bin on his head uh, for the rest bin of the on day. his head. Like, yeah. what the hell? <laughs> but they do, and the next thing we see is uh, the. Uh, outside of Simon's car and Will says in his voiceover that the one good thing is that we call Jay's bluff. This was a classic win-win situation. If by some miracle caravan club was full of girls, then we might get laid. But if it was full of weird old people and chaffs, which it would be, then Jay would never live it down. So with high hopes, we hit the open <coughs> road in Simon's shitty little yellow car and we see the Fiat uh, hurtling down the motorway. Um, yeah. And for the first time, we see that the passenger door is red. <laughs> it's been replaced and it is a red door um which was a very subtle joke because i'm not sure if that i if i hadn't known that the door was red i'm not sure that i would have even noticed it no it is a very subtle joke uh it always makes me smile simon's driving will's in the back seat and neil is sitting shotgun uh will is like squeezed between the two passengers and he looks really uncomfortable he's trying to join in the conversation and neil asks how fast this car can go and uh, Simon is just like, oh, it's a special edition, so I could reckon it could probably top a ton. And Neil's just like, bollocks. And 
Uh, Simon is undeterred. He just says, easily could. It's a pretty good car. And Will pipes in and says, I thought your dad had forbidden you from going over 50. And Simon just says, well, he's not here, is he? And decides to punch it. Yes. Um, Have you ever done this? Have you ever tried to make a car go this fast? Yes, I did. Uh, When I was in the military, we had a... um, a NATO ministerial, this is going to sound like fucking stupid, but we had a NATO ministerial in Colorado. So we had all the, like the heads of NATO come out and uh, I volunteered to drive one of them around. And um, part of the driving was we had to learn how to take like a defensive driving class. And so I got partnered with a federal agent and he just like took me out on the highway in the middle of Colorado and was like, all right, uh, just drive as fast as you want. If you get pulled over, like, don't worry about it. I'll just flash my badge and it's all good. And I was like, all right, cool. And ended up driving pretty fast on the highway, which was a lot of fun. What is the speed limit there? Uh, it really depends on the, where you are, um, through the town or through like our city that we live in. It's about 55 to 60. When you get outside of town, it can get up to like 65 or 70. Right, yeah. I've never... So, our speed limit on the motorway is 70 miles an hour, and I've never driven faster than that. Like, I never would. I'm a, I'm a real pussy when it comes to driving, um, and I don't tend to, like... And I drive in very urban environments anyway, so I'm used to driving very slowly, but I can't imagine how scary it would be. Like, I think I'd be pretty scared to drive as fast as they are driving here. Oh, man, I've got a lead foot, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm really not. I'm not a speed demon at all. I asked Phil. I asked Phil this question, and he said he'd probably broken the speed limit on the motorway, but not by much. Was his answer? Oh yeah. See, if I'm if I'm not driving at least like ten miles an hour over the speed limit, I just feel like I'm driving so slow. <laughs> I think our I think our roads though are are very well policed. Like like, and especially being like the motorway we use most is the m25 and that thing is riddled with surveillance like you couldn't you wouldn't get away with it yeah i mean i'm sure it's probably uh, i'm sure it's probably different there than it is here but um you know here as long as you're not driving like absurdly fast they're usually like pretty good about you know as long as you're keeping up with the flow of traffic that's what i say yeah yeah um, so we get to 80 miles an hour and Will says 80 is pretty good. <laughs> the car is pretty <laughs> shaking. Like it looks like it might be about to fall apart. And Neil's just saying, go on, Si. And Will says, oh my God, we're going to die. He says, Simon, if you survive this and I don't give my mother this message, Simon killed me. And so <laughs> Simon says, uh, his arms are hurting a bit now. And they get up to 98, 99, and then they get up to 100 miles an hour. And Simon sort of ex- exhales in relief, eases off, and they go back down to like 70. I think it's so weird that they measure this in miles per hour and not kilometers. Yeah, it's, it's really odd. It's really odd that we're supposedly in a metric system, but we have a we have a miles an hour system. I know. It's like every time Nicole and I would watch like Top Gear and they're like, oh, the top speed on this thing is, you know, 157 miles per hour. And I'm like, how many fucking kilometers is that? Mm. Do your cars measure in kilometers then? We have, they have dual gauges. They have miles and kilometers on them. I guess ours have dual gauges as well, but everything is measured in miles an hour. So like on the, like signs on roads are on miles an hour. It's really weird. What's really weird is if you drive across the border in Ireland. So if you drive from Northern Ireland to Southern Ireland or vice versa, Southern Ireland measures in kilometers and Northern Ireland measures in miles. So 
it's really confused it's really confusing like really confusing that's crazy do you is there a historical reason for that uh i don't know southern ireland is is more european i don't i don't know why they they measure in 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 kilometers and the british isles don't it's all a bit odd interesting i know i could probably google this but if any of our listeners know please just tweet and let me know because yeah. i'm i'm fascinated yeah i don't know the answer so that would be good yeah um, um we simon's phone rings and this is the first time we hear his incredible ringtone of bleeding love by leona lewis <laughs> yeah. will will takes a look at the phone and says it's a text message from jay but he has no idea what it says i'm pretty sure it's not in english there's an i an h and a v and neil just is like give it here and he takes a look and he says Jay says he wants us to pick him up at the garage just outside of Camber Sands, and he'll show us how to get to the caravan park from there. Yeah, and Will says, thank you, Dr. Doolittle, which Neil is like, what? And Will's like, you talk to the animals. And Neil's like, I'm not following you. And Will just sort of like, oh, shakes his head. And then the phone goes off again, and Neil reads out, he's also buying a jumbo pack of rib johnnies. Does anyone need some? <laughs> yeah. I love this little scene. I love uh, Simon's little ringtone. Yes, I've got so I've got an annoying ringtone. Um, my not for text messages, but my ringtone is, which probably this means nothing to you, but it is "Free Love on the Free Love Freeway" by David Brent from The Office. And oh, it's like my favorite song, Laura. What are you talking about? <laughs> and it is currently being used on an advert on the TV. And every time the advert's on, I think my phone's ringing. And it's not just it's not just affecting me; it's affecting everyone I spend time with. So. And my best friend texted me the other day and was like, every time that advert comes on, I think you've left your phone here. Like, what the fuck? And I'm like, I keep thinking I need to change it, but it's been my ringtone for like 10 years. I don't see why I should have to change. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> um, next scene, we are at the gas station. And it, so here's my question. And, you know, again, I don't want to live like relentlessly in the real world or, you know, uh, overanalyze a sitcom. Did Simon just simply pull in on the wrong side of the pump, or yeah, yeah that looks like he's he doesn't either doesn't know what side of the pump he should be using, and he and he's pulled in on the wrong side. Okay, because I didn't I didn't know if there was some like you know because obviously we have cars here where the gas tank is either on the left or the right. Yeah, uh, in I'll, this case, say, in their yeah. case, yeah, it's on. In their case, theirs is on the right and. But Simon has it, so the left side of his car is facing the pump, and he's trying to drag the pump over the top of the car to get it over to the right side. And I was just like, why don't you just move the car around, buddy? I think that, so I think in theory, the hose is meant to be long enough that you could do that, but you would get laughed at. Like, if you try it, like, it's just, it's just not done. So Simon, he's having a bad time, and like you say, he needs to move his car. Um I got thinking about this because there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason as to why your your petrol tank is on one side or the other. It just depends on the car. And I wondered, like, why that is. Why isn't it standard? I believe. I am not sure. I believe it has to do with the country that your car was produced in. Ah, uh, okay. All right. That sort of makes sense. Because my car is on one side and Phil's is on the other. So it's very confusing if you're driving each other's cars and you have to put petrol in, you're like, oh, it, it takes you a moment to remember. All right, let's see what Google has to say. Why do cars have fuel doors on different sides? This is one of the most frustrating, let's see. 
In the United States and other countries in which motorists drive on the right side of the road, it is easier to turn right than to turn left, blah, blah, blah. Suppose gas tanks were always on the driver's side. Drivers would then have to park on the right side of an open pump in order to fill their tanks during crowded hours, blah, blah, blah. Putting fuel filler doors on different sides of different cars thus means that some cars can access pumps from the left. This makes it less likely that drivers will have to wait in line for gas. So it just sounds like there's no real rhyme or reason for it. I'm not no. sure. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, on to if the... If anyone uh, does know. <laughs> I, I am pretty sure, though, it has to do with the country of origin for the car, though. Yeah, I mean, that would make sense. Um, so the boys have all got out of the car whilst poor Simon is, is dragging this. And, uh, and Jay, he comes out of the shop and he says, Christ, I'd forgotten about this shit heap. I don't think even I can help you get laid in that. Poor Simon is just having an absolute nightmare. And Will says, have you ever used one of these before? And Simon says, it's fucking broken. This should reach. And Jay says, are you sure you've actually passed your tests? <laughs> <laughs> and Simon says, yeah. And Jay says, how many times did you have to suck off the instructor? And Neil just says, you want to park a bit closer to that side? And Neil's like, Simon's like, oh, yeah, thanks. And then the woman over the tannoy said, pump number six, park closer. Yeah, I love this. Uh, Neil, again, just trying to be, you know, best buddy over here. And he's just like, you know, oh, park closer. And then the person over the intercom, she's telling him to park closer. And you can just see Simon just starting to get really, really, uh, like, spun up about the whole thing. So, yeah. And I, do, I, mean, like, I do find putting petrol in the car quite stressful. So I'm sort of on Simon's side here. Like, even though I've been driving for 10 years, I still check every time the little sticker on the inside that says what type of petrol is put in it, even though I know I've been putting the same petrol <laughs> in the car. Like, I do find it quite a stressful experience, so I, I get it. Jay just is like, fuck this, I'm going to go check out the Clunge magazines, and <laughs> Neil says, oh, I'm going to come with you. And the intercom comes back on, pump six, do you need assistance? And then Will says, you know, I think I'm just going to go stretch my legs for a bit too. <laughs> Inside the garage shop, uh, Neil and Jay are laughing about something in one of the top shelf magazines. Will asks what's so funny, and Jay says, it's your mum in this magazine. And Will's like, oh yeah, well done. And Neil says, no, look, it really looks like her. And they show Will the magazine, and his face just drops. And he's like, ah, hmm, yeah. <laughs> Jay's like, that is definitely your mum. Do you wish they had actually showed her face so that we, the audience, could judge for ourselves? <laughs> yeah, that would have been funny. That would have been good. I wonder if maybe Polly has got like a sideline since her husband left her in... Uh, Top shelf magazines. I mean, it's not the worst money in the world. No. Simon's phone rings again, and he's like, oh, I just got a text from the girl at a caravan club, and Jay wants to know if it's Becky. And Simon says, yeah. And Jay says that I texted her your photo, and then he wants to know what uh, Becky said to Simon, and Simon says, hi, Simon, my name is Becky. Liked your photo. And he continues... Jay says you've got a cool car as well. See you later, smiley face. And all the boys are starting to get very excited. Very, very excited right, yeah. right here. And I did wonder the first time I saw this, is like, is this going to be, is Jay telling the truth? Is it actually going to be a massive sex party at the caravan club? Um, so, yeah, at this point, I did wonder if maybe it was going to prove that Jay was telling the truth. Yeah, I really enjoyed that aspect of it, too, where it's like, um, is he telling the truth? Is he not telling the truth? Like, what are, what's going on here? So, yeah. Yes, I really enjoyed that aspect of this episode a lot. 
Um, Will says she's seen a picture of you. Let's get one back of her. And Neil says with her tits out. And Will says it might be a bit early in the relationship for that. And um, Jay says she is filthy though. Uh, and Will says still a bit early, I reckon. Simon's asking what he should write. Jay says spread them. I'll be there in half an hour. And Will <laughs> Will comes up with something a little bit a little bit more subtle. Uh, so lovely to hear from you. Will be a pleasure to meet up. And Jay says put P.S. I'm a poofter. Will says, don't add the PS. Yeah, I really enjoy this where they are giving him the ideas on what to text back. And I definitely think Jay's idea is probably the worst of the two, (laughs) but would have been the funniest. Yeah. Uh, Simon actually writes, can't wait to meet up. How do I know what you look like? Smiley face at the end. Neil says, do a smiley face with a wink. It's cheeky. And Will says, no, that is the mark of the moron, which I tend to agree with. Oh, okay. I was going to ask you, where do you stand on the (laughs) winky face? Where do you stand on the winky face? ambivalent <laughs> unless you are having sex with that person or or think you might definitely be don't do the winky face i think is the is the line of yeah that's you know that's gonna get you in the least trouble do you have a favorite emoji that like what's your go-to emoji the crying face the laughing crying face what's yours mine is the open mouth smile ah uh, yeah 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 both great emojis for, for <laughs> showing laughter hang on i'll look at my phone and tell you what my most used emojis are so there's definitely that one and then there is so my most used emojis are that the one with the teeth bared, like, Argh. oh, and the lady shrugging. My most used ones are, oh my god, face. Like, the it's like O underscore O. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. The fist for, like, a fist bump. Right, yeah. Hand clapping, and then the arm flexing. <laughs> <laughs> very, very, all very masculine. Man, I, I'm sure, like, some scientist somewhere is going to be like, um, you know... Let's look at like the history of, or you know, some scientist somewhere is going to like start pulling up like emails, you know, and they're going to like, oh, these ancient people, they just use symbols to communicate, <laughs> not uh, a yeah, not smart like, enough to use like words. hieroglyphics. We uh, yeah. So our GCSEs, which are the exams you take at sixteen when you finish your compulsory education, they've just changed from grades that are in letters to grades that are in numbers. So. We were talking about this uh, at school and saying it's going to really show your age if you've got GCSEs that are in that are in uh, letters, then it will prove how <laughs> old you are. And then we were saying, what's the next step? And we decided it was emojis. So I reckon the next generation will be getting their GCSEs in emojis. So it's just going to be like a thumbs up, a thumbs we'll down. Hear, we'll hear from face. Pizza Hut. You can like you can order a pizza using just emojis. Oh, really? Wow. Well. Don't I ask say? me how it works, because I don't know. But uh... I used to work for Pizza Hut, and they were absolute cunts to work for, so it does not <laughs> surprise me that they've come up with such a cunt-based system of, of ordering. That's ridiculous. Um, we hear Simon's phone go off again. We hear Bleeding Love again, and uh, Simon is very excited, and he says, oh, it's a picture of her with her sister Suzanne. Neil wants to know if they're kissing, and... Uh, they start trying to grab at his phone. Neil is like really hoping that the two girls are would be lesbians, but I don't know why he'd be hoping that because then that would mean they were effectively like cut out of the situation. I guess it's that like could they be the sort of lesbians that might fancy a go on a on a <laughs> Neil maybe. <laughs> uh, Jay says, or excuse me, Simon says that uh, she's fit enough. Like you know. Whatever, beggars can't be choosers. She's yeah. good enough. I mean, Simon then says he thinks he's actually going to get laid. 
And uh, Jay says the first Royal Caravan Club is that everyone gets some. Will says second Royal Caravan Club is don't tell anyone about the first rule because it's a massive lie. And Jay says, well, we'll see about that. So they go to pay for the for the magazines and stuff. Um, and Simon says pump number six and these, and then they all chuck like <laughs> their horrible magazines. It's like barely legal was one I saw. Um, and Simon looks absolutely mortified. And the assistant's like an old lady who just looks at the magazine and she's like disgusted. And she's like, do you want a bag for these? Yeah, and he's just like... <laughs> so we finally get to see the infamous caravan club that we've been waiting like two episodes to see now so i think i touched on touched on this before um but my parents-in-law have a caravan uh they've had it at various sites i hate the caravan i hate the caravan site i hate everything about it and this looks pretty much in keeping with the caravan site their caravan is currently on yeah it just looks it looks atrocious it's all like these tiny little campers these shit tents like a rinky dink little playground yeah i don't yeah. i don't know where the alleged orgies are supposed to happen but you know <laughs> this is where like the alleged orgies are supposed to happen maybe in it the just... tents i don't know <laughs> yeah <laughs> um sweaty orgies they would be um yeah Will says in his voiceover that admittedly Jane knew some girls, but driving into the caravan park, it didn't look like the kind of place you'd have an orgy. It looked like a field <laughs> with some old tents in it. And they go into the, the caravan site and they get out of the car and Jay just says, welcome to my world. Like he's fucking, uh, like this is a Playboy mansion. I really enjoyed Jay in this episode because we get the ultra cocky, like just can't admit he's wrong, can't you know admit that he you know that this is not exactly what it could be but yes jay is like welcome to my world so, yeah will says where are all these women and jay's like there's loads just look around you and will says where and jay's like what about her and simon says she's about 12 jay and jay's like oh no she's older than that believe me and will's like christ what fucking camp have we come to now and uh jay says hi to becky and suzanne and they they say hi back and Jay introduces Becky to Simon and she, he says, oh, this is Simon I was telling you about. And they exchange kind of these like awkward little hellos. And uh, Simon says, thank you for the text. And she says, nice car. And he goes, well, it's not from Hawaii. It just says that on the back. And she just kind of gives him this little wry smile. And she says, I like it. Are you guys coming to the party? And Simon says, yeah, definitely. And Becky looks excited. And she goes, great. I'll see you later then. And as she walks off, Jay just says, that one has fucked everyone. I've slung <laughs> one up in her a few times myself. <laughs> and Will's like, who is this everyone? And he looks around and he's like, that old man over there, has he had a go at her? <laughs> and Jay's looked like, I promise you, when you go back from this place, you'll be begging your parents to buy a caravan. And uh, Simon then says, I'm not sure Neil's dad could afford a caravan. And Will says, oh, if he God. got a bit as a mobile closet, I'm sure he'd find the money. <laughs> Neil is upset and he just says, my dad's not bent. And they continue and they say that we have only your word for that. And Neil defends his dad again. He says, my dad's not bent. And Will says, yes, you would say that though. And then we hear <laughs> Miss Cartwright and she says, Jay, dinner's ready. Jay then says, all right, dickheads, mum's made your tea. So park up and I'll meet you in the caravan. <laughs> and Will says, tea in a caravan. I finally hit rock bottom. <laughs> all right. So this next part made me laugh so fucking hard <laughs> this part is so funny 
I yeah. love this part. It's it's really good. So they're in the caravan and it is tiny, so small, and they're all squeezed up at one end of it on the like bonquette thing that is a table but probably becomes a bed at night time. And they're eating their dinner that's been served on like plastic plates from a picnic set and Mrs. Cartwright is serving up and she says, there you go, boys, some lovely salad to go with your sausages. And they're all being polite, but it just looks terrible. Oh, God, it looks atrocious. Yeah. But while all of this is going on, we just hear some very disgusting sounds coming out of the bathroom of the of the caravan. And uh, they're all just trying to ignore the, the sounds of flatulence. And, yeah, uh, and this yeah. is one of my major issues with caravans is... They're tiny, and I don't want to be in a tiny place trying to eat my dinner where someone is doing their business, like, literally two feet from me behind, like, a plastic door. No, thank you. That is not... No, that is not (laughs) what I want to do with my free time. Thanks all the same. (laughs) It is uh, one of those things I never thought about to this episode. And, yeah, yeah, it's... uh, Horrible. It is quite a thing where... The toilet is just getting, the bathroom is just getting annihilated. Yeah. And everybody's just trying to pretend like that everything is fine, that this is normal. This is a thing that happens. And Will's like, oh, this is really delicious, Mrs. Cartwright. And Neil says, oh, lovely crisps. Have you got any ketchup? And at that point, Jay's dad comes out of the toilet, which is right next to where they are. And he is like, just horrible. And he he is like... He's reveling in, like, his own flatulence. Yeah, he doesn't give a shit, if you're pardon the pun, that he has opened the door (laughs) and the smell has hit them all. And he is just, yeah, he's just, like, proud of it, if anything. And Simon then, under his breath, is like, oh, Jesus Christ. And Will says his eyes are burning. And uh, Jay's dad, like, completely ignoring it, is like, all right, boys, are you coming to the dance tonight, then? And they all, like, politely are like, oh, yes, Mr. Cartwright. And Jay says... uh, I've lined Simon up with a girl, and then Jay's dad says, finally, someone's going to take advantage of all the birds down here. Jay's about as much use as a nun's tits. I was like, whoa, what a <laughs> thing to say about your child. Yeah, and this becomes a running theme that Jay's dad is not very nice to him. Totally got that impression from this episode that his yeah. dad is just an absolute twat. And you can kind of see why Jay is the way he is. Like, maybe he exaggerates and he... He says these things because his dad's just constantly putting him down, so he has to feel like the big man somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. Mrs. Cartwright then tells him to leave. He says, "I'll oh, leave him alone, Terry. You're embarrassing him." And Will's like, "Oh, these crisps are delicious, Mrs. Cartwright." And Jay's dad just is like dismissive of that as well. And he's like, "Oh yeah, she opened the packet herself." And he says, <laughs> "Don't you, don't you boys just love it out here? Sense of freedom you don't get with other holidays." And this just so reminds me of, like, my father-in-law. Not that he's quite the monster that Terry Cartwright is, but he, like... So, I hate the caravan. That's on record. I've said this. I've I've been married to my husband now for, like, six years. We've been together nearly ten. I've never liked the caravan. This is a lot of summers of me making it clear that I don't like the caravan. And my father-in-law just says every time, like, oh, it's so great out here, the fresh air. And it's like, just fuck off. Like, fuck <laughs> off. I do not want the fresh air. I like... The polluted air of the city. Take me back to it, please. Camping in a tent or being in like a cottage of some kind, I'd be perfectly okay with. But like, caravan is just—it's too small for a house, too big for a tent. Like, I don't want to be—I don't want to be in anything temporary. So, like, put me in, like you say, like a cottage or something that is built with bricks. 
I do not want to be somewhere where I can hear other people <laughs> cough. Like, no, thank you. I went camping once when I was in year eight. Never got over it. Like, never got over it. It was so bad. I do not want to do this stuff. No, thank you. No, sorry. I went uh, impromptu camping in like 2001 with one of my friends and it was horrible because we decided literally at the last minute to go and so none of us had anything so we just we bought a tent and grabbed some blankets and figured that was all we were going to need and we just spent the entire night shivering cold yeah, it's so cold so cold i remember so we we went in year eight for some reason this was like i don't know they thought it'd make women of us they took us each we had eight forms in our year and they took two forms a day for like four days to go to this outdoor pursuits place and camp and it was the hottest like the hottest summer on record for years it was like i think it was like 1998 it was ridiculously hot it was mental it was still freezing cold at night i just remember like you shouldn't it's not a holiday i don't want to go somewhere where i'm gonna literally freeze every night like no (laughs) uh the biggest issue for me was that uh Two of the people I went with, I think, were wanting to, you know, hook up, you know, and uh, I felt like I was just cock blocking them the whole time. (laughs) Oh, that's another issue. So I've been, I've done like camping in people's gardens as a youth as well, like as a teenager, and that's another thing. Like, drink gets involved in in very, you know, inevitably people are going to have sex, and I even if you're in the zipped up bit of that, I can hear everything that's going on, like. That's horrible. No, thank you. Yep, no, thank you. No. Put, at least put a wall between me and that. Cheers. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Jay says to his dad, right, we best be getting ready, dad. And uh, then um, his dad says, oh, you'll be, I'll be... I'll be there at the party. I'll be fighting off the girls with a shitty stick. And Will says under his breath, I don't think you'll need the stick. (laughs) And then Will narrates and says, look, looking back, I should have realized that Mr. Cartwright's explosive bowels were a sign of things to come. (laughs) We then move into the, the, the hall, the social club. Uh, And this really reminded me of, so when I was about 14, uh, my friend Lindsay, her, so she lived with her grandparents and her mum and they had her grandparents had like bought a caravan for all the cousins to share so like her mum had two brothers i think who had children and the idea was that they would all like on a kind of timeshare situation use this caravan it was in clacton which is a shithole for anyone not familiar with clacton <laughs> Uh, nicknamed Cracktown by all, all who go there. And um, and we used to go there, like when we were 14, we used to go and stay there at the weekends because, you know, we were 14. And the social club was exactly like this. Like the first time I watched it, I was like, oh my God, like that has got to be the same social club. Like, it's basically just a shed. Will, is, Will and Simon are getting upset and Simon says, you know, I drove all the way here for this. And Jay's <laughs> like, ah, don't worry, it's just getting started. Give it a minute. And then Sexy Back by Justin Timberlake starts playing and Neil gets all excited and just starts breakdancing. Like, talk about (laughs) character trait I was not expecting at all. It's Neil's ability to be, like, a very competent, very good dancer. Yeah, he just shouts, oh, tune! And he's off and doing his thing, which is, like, being a space invader, waving his hands in the air, and like you say, then sort of gets on the floor and does the worm. 
And um, and Will's like, oh, he's actually quite good. And then he sees there's like a buffet and he's like, I'm going to go and get some hummus. So he goes off to where the adults and the food are. And then Becky and Suzanne walk in and they go over to the other side. Um, and Jay spots them and waves but doesn't go over. Um, and Jay's like, your ride for this evening is here. And Simon <laughs> just can't believe he's like, he's like, do you think she's really going to shag me? Jay says, of course. Why else do you think they come caravanning? And Simon just says, fresh air. <laughs> and Jay says, no, that text was her way of telling you it's on. And Simon is just like, shit, this is amazing. But he feels kind of weird because he always thought he was going to lose it with Carly. And Jay just tells him not to worry. He says, you know, listen to me. That bird Becky's an animal. She'll fuck you till you're blind and teach you all sorts. When Carly finds out she's going to be two things, jealous and wet, because now she'll know you're a stud. Yeah, and Simon's like, do you really think so? And Jay's like, of course. Plus, Carly doesn't... Why is Simon believing Jay here? Like, I... Yeah, is I think it just must be that he's so blinded by the fact that Becky exists and that she texted him and Jay did give his number that maybe he's starting to believe in the Jay magic, like, for a moment, Oh, perhaps. my God, it's so funny, like... Simon is so funny in this episode <laughs> and just completely hopeless. Yeah, and and Jay says, of course, and also Carly doesn't really fancy you, so if you wait to lose it with her, you're going to be waiting until you're dead. <laughs> Simon looks really hurt by this and he says, oh, I think she likes me a bit though, and Jay's just like, nope, nope, she doesn't. She thinks you're a twat. <laughs> Becky likes you and she likes sex. It's the perfect combination. Just don't go for anal straight away. Yeah. And I was like, wow. Wow, what great advice from from Jay here. <laughs> I did have a friend though who that was his that was like his opening gambit with the girl when he lost his virginity. He lost his virginity a little bit later than some of us. Uh, we were at university, and he asked her like, "Do you do anal?" And she was like, "What the fuck? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, what? This that's is a, the that's first a... time we've had sex. Like, what the fuck?" Um, that yeah. is a horrific opening line. Horrific opening line. And when we questioned him on it later, he was like, oh, I don't know. I thought maybe people did it as foreplay. No one does that as foreplay, mate. <laughs> that is not That is not how that works. I love how Simon's like, thanks, man. And Jay's just like, no problem. And he says that he's going to distract the fatty boom boom at the buffet. <laughs> and... Will kind of narrates and he's, Will says, so amazingly, it looked like Simon might actually pull if he could bring himself to speak to her. As for the rest of us, I wasn't holding my breath. Yeah. Uh, we then move back into the next scene, which is in the hall, but over where Will is standing with the adults and he's having like a civilized conversation with a couple, a middle-aged couple. And he says, well, I'd imagine it's the sense of freedom you don't get with other holidays. And the lady says, can I get you some more hummus, William? And he says, delicious. Thank you very much. And he's just being very civilized. He's being, you know, like, like probably 40 year old Will is going to be like, and, uh, and then at the, then behind him appears this attractive girl. Who's like alternative. She's a bit of an emo. She's got like, gothy clothes on and she's got streaky red hair and she's about Will's age and she's like why are you talking to the pensioners Will answers oh just taking the piss and she just says what by eating hummus and Will's kind of <laughs> just like yeah and then she says to him would you rather eat hummus or take me somewhere quiet and Will says I think I'd rather like to take you somewhere quiet yeah and, and she just like, says come oh, over here come then um and Will they sort of go over to the corner and Will's like, I didn't catch your name. I'm Will and I like hummus there. I've said it. And she's like, okay. So she's got like, quite serious here. And she's two things. 
for the next few hours, I don't need you to be charming or sophisticated <laughs> or interesting. I just need you to be willing. Can you handle that? And Will's like, yeah, I think I can. And she's like, good. And second is kiss me. And Will looks just terrified. And Will kind of tries to talk her out of it. And he just, right, okay. And then he kind of like pushes her back a little bit. And, and he just says, uh, I just need a moment. And she goes, I'm gonna just going to take you outside and I want you to fuck me. Which was from the opening yes. montage in episode one. Yes. Um, and Will's like, really? And she's like, yeah, really. And he's like, hang on, I mean, we barely know each other. We should get to know each other a bit first, shouldn't we? And she sort of shrugs, and he's like, come on, we're young. Let's have some fun. And then falling twisted into each other's arms, I've got an idea. Did you ever used to skid as a child? I used to love it. And he takes off his shoes and starts, like, skidding up the floor in his socks. (laughs) Um, He just looks like such a total goof while doing this, too. And you can tell that the punky red-haired girl is just having, like, none of this. And she just was like, okay, well, uh, I'm just going to leave. And Will just is like, oh, where are you going? Don't you want to skid? And she just goes, nope. Will says, what about our lovemaking? And she says, lovemaking? Gone off it, sorry. And Will just looks very dejected here. Crestfallen. Um, he turns around and he sees that some of the children have taken his shoes and are running around with them. And he's like, give me back my shoes. And he, in his voiceover, he says, somehow in three minutes, I had gone from guaranteed sex to being bullied by eight-year-olds. And I'm still not entirely sure how it happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, next scene, I really enjoyed too, where we go into the bathroom. And it, I think this is more... I, I was trying to figure out if this was like a locker room or what, because I could not figure out why Mr. Cartwright was just in his underwear. Yeah, it's like a shower block. So because you don't really have a bathroom in a caravan, they have shower blocks where you can go and shower. And he's obviously doing that, but it's also a toilet. Jake walks in and sees his dad and he says, all right, dad, I thought you were coming to the party. And um, Mr. Cartwright says, yeah, I was. I popped my head in the door, saw you chatting up some fat birds, so I didn't want to cramp your style. And Jay just looks annoyed and he says, I weren't chatting her up. I was keeping her busy while Simon was talking to her mate. And he says, don't be embarrassed, son. <laughs> yeah. If I was as bad with the ladies as you were, I would have moved on to the fatties months ago. And Jay looks a bit hurt. And at this point, Will comes in and says, hello, Mr. Cartwright. And he's like, oh, you're right, Will. Have you got any action? And Will says, actually, yeah, I pulled a girl. And Jay's just like, oh, fuck off. Yeah. And uh, they don't believe him. They, Mr. Cartwright says, no way, no way. Where is she now? cleaning up her beaver for you and we'll just <laughs> we'll just like uh no she went off so so grim so grim and his dad is just like oh jay's jay's harpooned himself a whale <laughs> his dad is just so vile like oh my god i have to say though so i i've got like my taste is for the larger man. I have been called a chubby chaser in my time. And this line has been said to me. I have had that. Oh, Laura's helping herself for a while. That's been, that has been said. So this made me laugh a lot. My friend's dad was very vile like this too. So Mr. Cartwright uh, really like reminds me of my friend's dad. I think we've all known someone like this who is just like embarrasses their child and gives no fucks whatsoever. <laughs> yeah it's his dad is is definitely something else uh infinite Hoovian, one of our twitter followers uh said to me on twitter which actually got me really excited for this episode he said 
Uh, the reason I like Caravan Club is the introduction of Jay's dad, who makes the former look like a saint by comparison. I also theorize he could be the reason why Jay exaggerates as much as he does. Yeah, he's definitely the reason that Jay's a little bit troubled, I think. Um, so, uh, Jay... Um, so Will says that she went off and, and Jay says, well, uh, sorry, Terry says there's plenty more uh, fish in the sea. And then Terry says that, uh, Jay then stands up for himself and he says, give it a rest, Dad. And Terry says, I told you not to be so fussy and to get stuck in. You're more likely to get somewhere with a fat so because they're grateful for the attention, even from a loser like you. And uh, they say any port in a storm and she was the size of a fucking port. I know what you're up to. You think because she's so massive, she'll count as two shacks. <laughs> he's just oh my god he's just so oh jesus he says that she doesn't and jay says i get plenty of girls and his dad just immediately fires back no you bloody don't and even if you did what could you do with that thing it's like a mcdonald's chip (laughs) you definitely take after your mom in the cock size department because she ain't got one either (laughs) and jay just says fuck this and he storms out and Will then sort of looks at the floor and it's sort of wet and pissy. And he's obviously only in his socks and he's like, oh, are these the only toilets then? And uh, <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, oh, does his feet get wet? And then Mr. Cartwright says, I give trap two a few minutes. I had eggs for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> um, we go back to the, the inside, the little disco hallway. And... Remember in Wedding 1 on Peep Show where you were telling me about how much you like just Jeremy in the background dancing? Yeah. In this episode, we get the same thing with Neil just break dancing constantly in the background, and it's great. Yeah, it's um, he's dancing in the corner, and Simon slow dancing, and they sort of move the camera out, and you can see that it's, it's not, it's in no way dark. It's like the overhead lights are really on. Like, it's really, really well lit. And, um... And they are playing Careless Whisper by George Michael, which is an absolute tune. I feel like I've mentioned this before, but I can't remember if I have or where I would have mentioned it. But Careless Whisper is a song very close to my heart because my best friend was conceived to Careless Whisper. uh, And her mum told her this when she was pretty young. And it has completely ruined the song for everyone who knows her. So this is, I I can't help but think of Laurie being conceived when her parents were very young. They were only teenagers. So I think it was... It didn't last for very long. It was it was limited to one song, and this was the song she was conceived to. So beautiful. Oh my god, that's so funny. <laughs> uh, I really like this part here because Becky and Simon have a kiss here, and it's like the most awkward kiss ever. And it's really chaste. There's like no, it's not a sexy kiss in any way, is it? No, no. And uh, Becky just says. Or excuse me, Simon says, you know, shall we go outside then? And Becky says, yeah, yeah, all right. And she walks out and Simon walks up to Jay and he just says, fucking hell, is this really happening? I'm going to have sex, aren't I? And Jay just is like, at last. (laughs) And Simon just says, you know, thanks for sorting this, Jay. And he's like, you know, really, you know, like, you're, you're my buddy. You're, you're the man, you're the man. And, um, Jay hands him a condom and he just tells him to fill it up, which I thought was very funny. Yeah, and I love that um, it was the red Durex, which is like the Durex of choice of the teenage boy, which made me laugh, that detail, because um, they're meant to be thinner. I think that was why that they were so revered by teenage boys. 
I love Jay saying, fill this up for me. It is so gross, but he says it all proudly like he's his dad, and it's just wonderfully done. We go back to the bathroom with Mr. Cartwright and Will, and this part, like, made me throw up in my mouth. <laughs> yeah, so, um, Will is, um, you're there, and Terry slaps him on the back. And so let's oh, hold on, hold on. Let's let's like set this scene. This bathroom is super grim. It's not individual urinals. It's like a giant trough. Yeah, that's at floor level. Yeah, Terry is far too close to Will for a start. And uh, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and Will's like, uh, Mister Cartwright, you seem to be splashing me a bit. And Terry just totally ignores it. And he says, "Who stole your shoes?" And Will's like, "Oh, just some kids." And Terry's like, "Kids." You let them get away with that, laughing at you while you're standing in your own piss. And Will's like, I think it's mainly your piss. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, at this point, he farts again. And he just says, uh, far better out than in. And Will just looks at him and says, uh, I'm going to go now. <laughs> and we return to the hall where Neil is still doing his own pretty creative dancing to take that. Uh, he's the only person on the dance floor now. He's giving it the full robot. And uh, the girl with the, the punky girl with the red hair, she comes in and she says, I'm curious, are you subversively mocking this place or are you actually enjoying yourself? And Neil says, I'm sorry, I haven't got any idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we, so then we go outside and we see Simon and Becky, and Simon has her, like, pressed up against a tree, and they're making out. And he's getting, like, a little aggressive. He's getting, like, a little aggressive with his hands, and she just says, Oh, my God, you ripped my top. And he just says, Oh, I'm sorry, you just turned me on so much. She's like, Oh, my parents will see this. Well, while this is going on, the camera is, like, tight on her, so you don't see what Simon is doing. It yeah. flips around, and then... Uh, Becky turns around and all of a sudden she says like, oh my god, what the hell are you doing? And Jade, or excuse me, Simon just says, it's a condom. I thought we should be safe. And she's just like, why have you got a condom on? I'm not going to have sex with you. And I love that he's like, put it on apropos of nothing and he's just like showing it to her and I, I just, yeah, I love it. It's brilliant. Um, and Simon's like, you're not. But Jay said, and Becky's like, Jay said what? And Simon's like, he said, and she's demanding to know what Jay said. Yeah. And um, and so then we go back inside the caravan club and Simon walks in and he just is making a beeline straight to Jay and he looks like he's about to punch Jay in his fucking face. And Jay just is like, oh, how's it feel to be a man then? And Simon just looks at Jay and says, you fucking liar. Shagged her <laughs> and her sister have you. Loads of times, yeah. And Jay just responds, untold. <laughs> And Simon says, really? Because she didn't seem that keen and her sister's 13 years old. And this is where we find out some truth. Yeah. Um, he says he's going to be lucky if he's not on some sort of paedophile register by the end of the night. And then we see that she's talking to her parents. And Simon says, oh, shit, she's talking to her parents. Jay says, where's Neil? And Simon says, I don't know and I don't care. Let's get out of here. And he goes over to Will and tells him that he's off. Will's still trying to get his shoes back. Um, and Will sort of wrestles a kid to get his shoes back. The kid screams. And Will gets his shoes and just starts prick, and they leave. <laughs> I love that he uh, puts like the little child in the chokehold and everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
We then have Will's voiceover and he says, just when he thought things couldn't get any worse, he had to spend a night in a caravan with Jay's dad and his irritable bow. And we see the caravan for the outside and we see how small it is and how so many people have spent the night in there. Yeah, where the fuck did everybody sleep in that thing? <laughs> um, Will, as they leave, Will says, thanks very much for your hospitality, Mrs. Cartwright. See you soon, Mr. Cartwright. And Jay's dad leans out of the van and says, thanks, lads. And Simon... Don't worry about that Becky business. Her dad's calmed down now. We were all your age once. At least you had a pop. None like soppy bollocks over here. And then he says, don't mention, don't mention it. Just try not to rape anyone on the way out. <laughs> uh, Simon looks at Jay and says, I don't, I don't see why I should ever talk to you again, let alone give you a lift home. And Jay just is like, oh, look, you're just angry you didn't get laid. And Simon says, yeah, that's it. Let's just get out of this dump. And... Please, God, don't let me ever have to come back to a caravan park. All right. And then they see uh, Neil's walking up and he's kind of like toweling himself off. And he just says like, all right. And they just say, you know, where have you been? And Neil responds that he slept in a car. And Simon's just like, shall we go then? And Neil just says, shotgun. Yeah. um, And Joan will reluctantly get into the back of the car. Um, they're driving along the A2 back towards London and Simon says, mm, my seat feels a bit wet. And Will's like, yeah, mine is too. And Jay says, yeah, mine's wet as well. And Simon says, Neil, did you wet yourself in my new car? And Neil says, no, not really. But I did have a bird back there. And Simon just is like, you fucked a girl in my car? And Neil says, no, 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 it's too small. Did a lot of fingering and she winked me off a few times. And they're all just like, oh, God, no. God, oh, shit. Um, And Simon gets off onto the hard shoulder and they all get out of the car. And they're all just like saying, oh, bloody hell. And Simon's trying to wipe his hands on the grass verge. And Simon's like, thanks, thanks, Neil, for that. And Jay says, who was she then? And Neil says she was some sort of punky redhead. I don't know if she was nice. And Will can't believe it. He says, oh, my God, she was mine. Um, yeah, Will looks Will looks really, really yeah. upset about all and of this. And Simon's just like, shit, we can't stay here. And Jay says, I'm not going back in the st- spunk mobile. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that's what they called it. It would smell horrible though, wouldn't it? Like, it's just not, I know, I know it's relentlessly in the real world, but like, it's not realistic. It would smell bad. Who creates that amount of spunk that the seats would actually be wet? Like, come on. <laughs> uh, Will says, one good thing is that we've learned the caravan club is shit and Jay is a liar. And Jay just says, oh, I'm a liar. And Will just says, yes. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, well, Jay says, well, if I'm such a liar, how come Neil got some? And Will sort of, he can't, he's sort of been hoisted by his own petard then. He's like, no. And Jay's like, tell me, did he or did he not get some? And he's like, that's not the point. And we then see another out of the, with the other two. And Simon's telling Neil he needs to clean it up. Neil says, it's your car. Simon says, it's your spunk. And Neil says, well, you know, some of it could be her juice. And but then we see Will and Jay are still having this argument about whether or not Neil got any. And then Simon says he wants petrol money. <laughs> <laughs> and Neil says what for and he's like for petrol and then he says it's your spunk it's your car and he says what well, if I spunk on you then does that mean it's it's your spunk and it's just it's brilliant the, the two arguments that are going on are both fabulous <laughs> I love that argument well if I get it on you that means it's yours <laughs> um and Will says in his voiceover 
that he's not sure what he learnt from this whole story episode apart from to never take any advice from Jay. When you're offered sex, don't skid and never ever follow Mr. Cartwright into the toilet. Yeah, that's it. We get the we get the music and we are done with episode number five. Yeah. A good episode. It's a great episode. Where where do you think this is gonna rank in your episode selection so far? Uh in my episode selection it is number two. Yeah, I would have I would have imagined that it would have gone up the ranks because this is a really good episode and I don't think like there's not much um there's not much filler. Like it's not it's all it's all funny. It just goes joke to joke to joke. Yep, just joke to joke to joke and the jokes are funny and like I said, just getting to see uh, Neil like breakdancing the whole time. Like I really enjoyed that little aspect of his character that, you know, there's no reason that you would ever see that side of him. If at any you, point um, in- if you like like that you're gonna love the first film because we get a lot of neil's dancing in the first film oh that's fantastic <laughs> yeah i'm excited it becomes like a whole thing in the film oh that's awesome i can't wait i like to think that it's just because blake harrison is maybe such a good dancer like is it that they discovered he's a great dancer and we're like yeah let's use this again i i wonder when they they have characters that have these little like quirks that is this just something that you know, the actor just randomly happened to be a good dancer and they were like, okay, cool, we're going to make this part of the character? Or were they like, oh yeah, by the way, your character's a good dancer and even if you're not a good dancer, we're going to teach you how to dance yeah, so, so that, that you can be a good dancer. I, I hope I hope it is just that he's naturally just a great dancer. <laughs> I saw like the preview image for next week's episode and next week's episode looks great. Yeah, next episode's a really, really good one. Yeah, and it's the series finale for series one i i can't believe that we're like almost done with series one it's it's crazy yeah yeah it's it's gone really quickly yeah oh it's it's wild yeah um so we talked last week a little bit about making a murderer did you how many episodes did you watch so i managed to get through the first two how about you i watched the first two as well what did you think i so I feel like it's clear that they're like the ambigu- ambiguity is that word like the ambiguity there we go sorry I'm, a, I'm an English teacher I should know that the ambiguity is I feel like it's gone a little bit like I feel like there's a there's like a definite narrative now that's being pushed what about you yeah I kind of felt like that the that the first series was like a little objective where it was like okay he could have done this maybe he did maybe he didn't like but here's kind of the evidence as we have it uh this series is just like yep he did not do it here's the way that they framed him and his fucking attorney like wow what a what a i want to say battle axe but i don't feel like that that's a flattering description of her yeah but she is just like takes no shit and she just dives into everything and uh, i think that's great like it's, uh, it's awesome yeah i yeah so i basically what you just said is i've just i tried to say in a much more long-winded way was yeah i felt like there was some um like objectivity and there is not now which may or may not be a good thing like that may make for the rest of the season being interesting. Like I certainly felt in series one that Brendan had been massively fucked over. Like I, I always felt like there were, there were big problems in the conviction of Brendan. Um, and I think that in episode two, that was sort of gone over in a bit more detail. Oh, uh, that montage in episode two, where they're talking about like the ways that police like coerce mm. confessions. Yeah. 
and it's it's like montaged over the top of his actual confession was yeah. pretty uh pretty impactful yeah i mean it's really i mean i'm a bit of a true crime nerd and i like this sort of thing but i really like yeah that really concerns me how often there do seem to be these coercions in statements and you don't think it's happening and then you find like uh, yeah i i really really struggle with this when you find out about cases where this has happened and i think that this might be the case with with brendan how did you feel about making a murderer coming back like were you really excited is this something and how did you feel once you'd watched the first couple of episodes yeah i was really excited and i loved it and I really loved kind of how self-referential it was where the first like 15, 20 minutes was basically devoted to the fallout from season one. And I also liked that they answered some of the criticisms, you know, where they were like, oh, well, they left this big part out about the sweat DNA. And, you know, they, they acknowledged that, you know, hey, here's this criticism, but then you easily see why like the sweat DNA is just total bullshit. Yeah, I agree with you. I liked that they... And I like that they kind of um, addressed how big a deal it was. Like they didn't try and they didn't try and ignore the fact that the show had been massive and had had massive coverage, and you know, and how that might be impactful on the case as well. And um, so I thought that that was that was good that they did that because they could have just ignored that, you know, and and tried to gloss over the fact that it was such a big cultural thing and how they they did address as well how it had been difficult for the the victim's family to have to sort of go through this being a massive netflix thing like when at the end of the day this was the murder of their sister and daughter and wife and such yeah i was really excited that this came back like i said i was happy that it addressed all the criticisms and you know i, I even if stephen avery is guilty like one thing that series one did is it really showed, you know, it would show like, okay, well, here's the reasons it could be a conspiracy. And then usually like a couple episodes later, it would show some sort of like really damning evidence that would make you swing back the other way. Yeah. Let's just like the first two seasons lean or seasons, excuse me. The first two episodes lean very heavily into it's a conspiracy. Let's just see, like, it's 10 episodes. Like, let's just see where the rest of this goes. Yeah, I thought that. I thought maybe they were trying to tra trap us almost with thinking it's going to go one way and then maybe it's going to go another. So I'll be interested to see where this goes. Although one of the truly fucked up things was that, and I'm sure that they'll address it in the series, is that Brendan Dassey was actually ordered to be released. But um, Scott Walker, who's like the... Uh, governor of Wisconsin is basically like refusing is like refusing the order or something. I'm not quite sure how it happened, but he was ordered released from prison and he is still in prison like over a year after that order. Yeah. Came out. I was really surprised to hear that that could happen, but I suppose it's a little bit like our home secretary has the final say over who does and doesn't get released from prison. So I guess it's a, it's a similar setup, but it's pretty shocking. Yeah. It's really it's really messed up. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes and I'm excited to see what happens. And, you know, it just, again, goes to show that there's two justice systems in this country. There's the one where you have, like, if you watch 
what was that one? The stairs? Yes. Yeah, staircase. Yeah, the staircase. You know, you have the staircase level of justice where, you know, he's got all the money in the world and, you know, he's able to hire like a very competent, uh, you know, defense team and everything. And then you've got normal people's justice, which is, you know, what the Dassies are having to deal with. And it's, and it's amazing that now that the the show is actually big and that, you know, there's some stakes involved that, you know, now he's able to get this high profile attorney. Yeah. She does say that she works uh, pro bono, but what I'm assuming is going to happen is that after he's re- like, if she's able to, you know, like whenever she's able to secure these people's release and then they sue the city for like 120 million, I'm sure she probably takes a healthy cut off of that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So, but yeah, I, uh, Really, really enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to getting through the last eight episodes. Yeah, me too. Um, have you been uh, watching or listening to anything else this week? Uh, just the first episode of Limetown that came out on Wednesday. It was really good, but I had to listen to it like three or four times to like really figure out what the hell is going on. Yeah, so I was going to listen to it in the car, and then you told me that I needed to like have my wits about me, and I thought oh, I won't, and I haven't had a chance yet, so I'm going to listen to it when I've got some like quiet time in the evening. <laughs> um, as long as it's not too scary and i have to turn it off there's nothing like super scary about this one it's more like looming sense of dread scary okay okay i can handle that yeah uh have you been watching any watching or listening to anything else so i watched the first episode of the first which was on channel four this week um which i believe was a hulu series over there um and it's got sean penn in and it's about some people who are trying to send the first like manned mission to mars it was really good i sort of watched it thinking well give it a go and actually really enjoyed it and i'm desperate to see the second episode i have sourced them online i don't know if i'm going to watch them all in a binge or if i'm gonna wait like a good girl and wait for them to air on channel four each week um i don't know i'm gonna see how it goes (laughs) i'm my impulse was to sort of immediately binge them and then i was like no like savor it um, but I might end up watching a few, might end up watching ahead of the Channel 4 uh, schedule. Have we ever talked about how binge-watching model has just totally fucked me up and how it's horrible to have to wait, like, week to week for new episodes yeah, to come I can't, out? I can't do it. I'm really bad at it. And if I can find any way of watching it, you know, you know quickly, <laughs> I will. It's really bad. It's really, it's really, it's really made a, like, a horrible, impatient wretch out of me yeah it fucks with me too where i'm like oh man you know like just come on dude come on yeah i hate having to wait week to week for things it's um i'm i'm really so i got really into line of duty which i think i talked about um a few weeks ago and i watched like the there'd been four seasons so i watched all four seasons back to back and the the fifth season's coming out in the spring here and i'm gonna really struggle with that because i've got used to watching them all in one go and i'm gonna have to wait for week to week and it's going to be really hard there's going to be another netflix true crime series that's going to be coming out probably sometime next year i i don't know exactly when i don't even know exactly what it's called but um a person that i played world of warcraft with it's about her and her group of friends so yeah it's going to be pretty interesting she basically what happened was this she's a very big animal rights activist and this guy posted a video of himself on youtube like killing a dog or something like that right like pretty brutally 
and they were trying to track down who it was so that they could, you know, press charges against him for animal cruelty. Well, then this same guy posted a video of himself killing an actual person. Right. And then she worked with her and her group that had been working, you know, to track down for the and the death of the animal her and her group of friends actually helped the actual law enforcement like track this guy down and they ended up eventually um you know finding the guy so you know this is like a netflix documentary about how her and her friends basically started out this case and then all the steps they went through so it should be pretty interesting that's um that sounds really cool and really cool that you know someone involved that's amazing yeah uh what i'll do is next week after this episode comes out i will there rolling stone wrote an article about it and i will just send a tweet out with that article so if anybody wants to read more about this kind of get like a sneak peek um that sounds right a, a sneak great. peek at it yeah uh, i will tweet that out for everybody to read yeah that sounds good yeah she won like a she won some sort of like nevada state animal activist of the year or something like that oh really wow we talk to our patreon subscribers and we have their guest spots set up yeah. uh we also i'm also excited i think i told you this already i hope i did uh, but a friend of mine paul who is a listener to the show as well as one of my very very good friends is going to be in kansas city visiting me before the baby comes we're gonna go to an egg ball game together you did uh, his team is yeah. yeah his team is gonna be playing my team so that's gonna be a lot of fun right yeah and um he's we're gonna have him in the luxurious <laughs> british television invasion studios and yeah so that'll be a lot of fun yeah i'm looking forward to that and then also my cousin's husband kieran is going to be guesting with us on the in-betweeners movie because he did a similar lads weekend and would really has says that he says according to him we'll see he says that he has very enjoyable insights into this particular movie so i'm excited to have kieran with us and um my friend paul and then michael and keelan so yeah it's gonna be we're gonna have some guests on a couple of these episodes if you want to come guest on an episode like go look at our patreon and it's super easy yeah so yeah that would be great um and congratulations as well to cj who uh is won the in between us script book uh which yeah I messaged him to get his address and i have put it it's ready to go i'm going to post it tomorrow so hopefully by the time you hear this he will have the script book in your hands and cj is one of our long time is he's a very long time listener yeah, so yeah it, well deserved yeah excited for him i guess one other thing we could talk about before we wrap this up for people who maybe didn't listen to the l dude brothers podcast when we finish a series laura and i often like to do just some related content to just kind of break it up uh i don't know if i've talked to you about this yet laura i don't think i have but i was wanted to propose to you we do watch-alongs for the unite for the american version of in-betweeners there's 12 episodes so i was thinking that in between each season we could do watch-alongs for like two episodes of the american show you did mention it that sounds good i've never seen them either so that'll be i won't watch them it'll be my authentic reaction the first time i watch them 
Yeah, so I was thinking, you know, the first one will be here in a couple weeks, and it'll we'll do episodes one and two. Uh, do you have access to the American Inbetweeners? I'm sure I can find it. They aired on E4, so I'm sure they are somewhere in the the my capabilities okay. to find. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If for whatever reason you are having trouble with the capabilities of finding these, let me know, and we'll figure something. Okay. Yeah, I'll have a look. Yeah. Uh, I can probably, we'll talk, yeah. we'll talk off air. Cool. Um, right. but yeah, so exciting things happening and yeah, we're, I'm really excited to see where everything goes from here. Yeah. Cool. All right. Is there anything else before we sign off for the day? Nope. Nope. I'm all good. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, you bus wankers, you have a great day. <laughs> see you later. Bye. Bye.